Welcome to the Dental Money Lounge, the place where dentists can tune in to grow their money, wealth and financial knowledge. Here are your hosts, Hassan Mushaid and Max Bazzucchini. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on another episode of the Dental Money Lounge. I am on uh, Pluto Planets today. <laughs> I'm in our offices in, uh, in Kent, uh, Pluto Planets. And I am delighted to say that I'm joined today by our regular co-host, Hassan Mushaid, everybody. How, Hassan, how are you? I'm not too bad, Max. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Very good in my new new office in uh, in Kent. <laughs> so today we are joined, I'm delighted to say, by uh, our close friend and specialist dental accountant, David Hossein from Benenbrook. Hi, David. How are you? Hi, Max. Hi, Hassan. I'm very well. Hope you guys are too. Yeah, really well. Yes, absolutely. So today, again, we, we have, over the last few weeks, we had some amazing speakers coming to our show. We had the likes of, just to name a few, Tiff Qureshi, Shiraz Khan, Barry Oton, Harry Singh. And today, I'm delighted to have a conversation with, with David Hossein. Over the years, we worked together on, on a number of deals with some of my clients and David was advising on either buying or selling practices. And today we're going to talk about, as a dentist, the level of conversations that you should have with your accountant when you're either buying or selling practices. Uh, so David, over to you. Thank you, Max. So thanks for the, the short introduction there. And I think that in a nutshell, I would say that um, engage with your accountant uh, both positively and proactively. You're quite right, Max, that we've worked on a number of deals. And if to focus on that in this um, specific situation and, and talk today, I think that I would split my support into two areas of buying support for associates. So when an associate client of mine is buying a practice, I will uh, look at the valuation for them. And you have to look at that very closely. And you also have to understand the difference between profit and cash which isn't something that uh, is immediately obvious to an associate who might not have run a business before. And I have seen it far too many times where an associate buys a practice and is, is actually worse off um, having done so. But there are simple things you can do before to make sure you don't fall into that category. Looking at your return on your investment is certainly the first thing to consider. After that, how does your, your cash position look once you've had to do things like pay the bank back, once you've had to consider paying the principal as an associate if they are staying on for any private work that you might be purchasing and looking at those two things together and seeing well what what is the cash position that's left because when the the practice is marketed to you it's marketed based on profits now those should really be historical profits and not forecast profits because obviously one is a figure that has been achieved in the past and the other is a figure that could be achieved so that that's really important to get right worth yeah. mentioning that over the uh, the last I'd say 10 years, we have seen a bigger gap growing between the uh, the completion prices and the asking prices. That's that's well published uh, amongst the NASDAQ reports of the uh, of the Goodwill quarterly reports that come out. So valuations are increasing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those are the prices that you should be buying at. The last thing I want to see any of my clients do is, is stretch themselves too thin, buy something they can't afford and suffer with that for 10, 15 years. And it is something I have seen too many times. Uh, so I wouldn't want to see it for any of my clients. Well, I couldn't agree more with you, David. Um, we, we always talk about this. And uh, as you know, and, um, and some of our listeners uh, might know, I used to be a buyer myself. 
So I've been in the industry now for just over 10 years and um, I've been in the uh, selling side on the broker side now for four years. And and I can see that there is a high level of competitiveness between, between different brokers. And this can often, very often cause some of the brokers to um, overvalue a practice. And it's, it's very easy for a dentist, let's say because of naivety or human nature, perhaps, to, to try and go with and choose and, and work with the broker that comes with the highest valuation. But highest valuation is not always the best option, as you know. And I see more frequently than ever now with, with some of the brokers, practices coming to market and come and staying on the market for a long time and not getting any offers or not getting the interest that they might would generate if they were priced at the right level. And then they come back to market after a few months with a reduced price to sell price tag. And this, of course, is going to have a very, very negative impact on, 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 on the practice owner and on the market indeed. So I agree 100% with you what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's what I would put in the pre-completion planning section. Then you move on to the completion process itself. For that, you will need a lawyer and an accountant to look at it. And I think that the, the other common thing that I see is involving the, the accountant far too late in that process. It's often the case, especially when you're buying shares, that you need to look closely at how the uh, completion accounts will work. A review of the balance sheet needs to uh, happen and you need to see and flag any potential problems early on. Typically, dental practices will either be a sole trader partnership or a limited company. And the difference between the two is that when you buy a practice that is a sole trader, you are buying the goodwill and the assets and you start with a clean slate uh, as a new business. So th those are transferred to you, who you, you then become the business. With a limited company, you purchase the shares of that business and the business is transferred. Uh, so the business stays within the limited company and, and you inherit all of the historical tax related issues there, but also the balance sheet in its entirety as it is. And if you think about that from your point of view, if you are buying shares mid year that company will have all sorts of liabilities to account for the main one being corporation tax but others as well and to reflect the the liabilities that you could inherit there's often a uh, a clause for a net asset adjustment so that that will be either money that is paid back to you or depending if it's the other way around money that you would have to pay over to the uh, the shareholder after completion to uh, adjust to account for timing differences so when you buy mid-year, which is often the case, you rarely complete a deal on the 31st of March. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have to say to you, Hassan, I, I, obviously I know David well from working with him and I also work with many other accountants. But what is actually positive and good about David is that he's got a real mentality of wishing to help others, wishing them, uh, helping them to succeed. And I can see the, the level of advice given can really save thousands of pounds. Are you happy to or able to give us an example on a real case when something went very well and something was going perhaps on the edge of not going that well and you might have to uh, step in and, and maybe even giving advice to lawyers that didn't spot some of the uh, potential uh, issues that uh, could have been arising, David? Yes, I mean, happy to provide, obviously, without mentioning any names. Yes, of course. An example would be to make people aware of what could potentially go wrong and why it's important to engage with your accountant. So, um, yes, a recent sure. deal that I uh, a recent deal that I worked on was was a share sale. I spoke with the associate, 
six months ago and he advised me he was uh, considering buying. So we agreed that he would get in touch uh, once his uh, offer had been accepted and I could engage um, at that point. A couple of months passed after that and the lawyers had been instructed and conversations had progressed and they were ready to complete the week after, at which point the associate contacted me to say, well, just to let you know, we're completing next week. So I said, okay, well, okay, please, can you let me have a look at the uh, the share purchase agreement so I can take a quick look along with a copy of the accounts. And when we looked at the accounts, there was a large director's loan account of £300,000 in debt. And the seller's accountant and solicitor were asking for that to be left on completion, but cleared post-completion via the uh, the previous owner. So injecting £300,000 into the business. Okay, so sounds okay. But then the problem with that is now the balance sheet is, is um, very heavy in terms of assets. So the buyer has to purchase that cash from the seller. So he has to come up with £300,000 to buy the cash off the seller. Yeah. And he's not obviously not got that money in the bank. So he would have to take it out of the company to repay the net asset adjustment. And obviously that's uh, wrought with the difficulty. There's dividend taxes that he would suffer in that situation. And it could have been easily 150 grand worth of taxes that were passed over to, to my client. Obviously, I raised uh, to all parties and said, we have to put this on hold. I'm not happy to my client to proceed on that basis. And we uh, restructured it so correctly the director's loan would be cleared by a dividend on completion, not by a repayment of the cash. And that that's often the case that when, when completing on a deal, there are certain decisions that can be made for the buyer or for the seller that give either of them a competitive tax position. And I think the key for me is, is being fair. So things that are normally the case, I would expect to continue to normally be the case. Um, but things that things like this, and I think this is an, an anomaly. It, it wasn't spotted until I got involved, and and that's that that's just asking your accountant to to look at the deal structure. So very important to, to do that. An example of one going very well. So say six months ago, we helped a client who bought a practice, and it was a share sale again. There wasn't any issue like that. It went through. There was a, a corporation tax liability and associate fees that the seller had to pay for. And those were recovered within 30 days of completion. And that's that's really what you want. You want to complete the deal, yeah. finalize yes. any loose matters, and get on with the business of running your business. So when you get approached by a, a, a first-time buyer, and I know this, I've seen this happening, and, and, and also working with you, uh, which I will give some examples later, but when you get approached by a first-time buyer and a client of yours, they have a, um, a sales brochure from, from a selling agent. What is the, the first step and what do you advise the buyer to do? Well, I, I would certainly say to give it to your accountant to look at. And the, the key with buying a practice is to be better off after you've done that. And that, that requires assessing where you are now uh, in terms of um, what you are able to earn and as well as lifestyle, what, what kind of uh, work-life balance you have. And then analyzing what life would look like on the other side. So you buy the practice, you've got all these new responsibilities, you've got all these new possibilities as well. Um, if you're buying a practice that you can grow, possibly put a, a third or fourth surgery in, those are opportunities to explore. But there is a difference between the uh, the profits and the cash, uh, as, and, and sometimes also the methodology for valuing. So I think that you need to look at the valuation method very carefully. You need to make sure at that point, a simple 10, 15 minute conversation say well 
what's your bottom line after you've bought this business? And if that's a positive, then I think the advice would be to to explore the opportunity further to make sure that you are buying something that is right for you. Right for you in terms of not being worse off, but also, I'm actually, you're better aware than I am that goodwill valuations are very high right now. So yes. you're, buy, you're buying with prices that are high, you want to sell with a, a, a return on your money. So can you can you increase that goodwill valuation? Can you increase the private size? Can you add extra uh, treatments in to, to grow your revenue and your your exit price? If those are yes, then then yeah, by all means, this is something to consider. But you, you have to ask those questions and not be blinded by the, uh, the, the headline figures. I think the headline figures don't give you the true story. And it's only when you get through the nitty gritty that you see. I mean, as I say, the devil is in the detail. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And um, for your benefit, Hassan and um, anyone listening, David mentioned just now about there are different valuations methodologies um, when buying a dental practice. So from, from, uh, from what we use, uh, the most common valuation methods are uh, an income-based valuation method where income is considered the pre-tax cash flow of the practice or the business. And also there is a market-based valuation methods and net-based valuation method, but the income-based is, is the most common, commonly used. So David, uh, you mentioned um, that obviously there's a few people that you've helped closer to the stage of actually completion. And, and if they had seeked your help earlier and, and communicated with you properly, they may have been in a, in a better position. Now with the listeners who are existing practice owners, there must be benefits with there for them to communicate with their accountants on a regular basis, what type of benefits can they can they reap the rewards really from from regularly communicating with the with their accountant? Yeah, I think um, it, it is important to talk with your account, your accountant regularly, and I think the key is proactively. the The reality is that dentists work very long hours, and that's often because they're bringing in a lot of fee income. So I I understand time time isn't always uh, available for that, but. As practice owners, there are a number of challenges that you will face. One of the often not talked about areas is just cash flow management. And the last thing I want to see for any of my clients is that we get to the end of the year, we have a conversation and all I'm giving them is bad news. This is your tax bill. This is when you need to pay it. And here's my fee for telling you. That doesn't really allow me to provide any value to the client. And if they've not budgeted for what that liability is going to be, it can put both them personally and the business under strain. Now that's not good for the dentist personally, it's not good for the practice as well. A healthy practice is a practice that performs financially well and that that is the centre in my opinion of the, the patient care. So I think having a formal budget, a formal cash flow model where they where they work towards targets. So every year it's sat down and said look this is what we expect the business to perform, this is how we're going to monitor that and if there are any changes, we can react to that proactively. That's certainly one area to help on. As I say, it's the difference between getting the historical data from your accountant where there's little you can do with it. This has been proactive. And I think that comes through in communication. A question that I'm asked quite often is, well, should I have annual accounts or monthly accounts? And it's not always the case that monthly is better for you. I think that for smaller practices, annual is fine. I think in a small practice, you you, you know your level of fee income, your your fixed costs are quite uh, similar and your variable costs are, are, are what they are. So you'll, you'll know how you're performing. However, in a bigger practice where you've got multiple fee earners, you need to be up to date with how everybody's performing and you need to be seeing how that is contributing to your overall goal for the practice. 
And it might be that you need to sometimes speed things up, focus on certain treatments that you aren't uh, delivering and that you thought you would deliver. And if you're not getting that information in a, in a, a timely manner, well, there's little you can do about it. So, so I think the answer to that is it depends for the client. It depends how big they are. It depends on how, how they get their management data and what level of support they need from that. And that, that is something that your accountant can do. And it might be something you need for the bank as well if they have uh, certain covenants you need to uh, adhere to. But it, it's, uh, it's a question you, you should ask your accountant. Okay. Thank you, David. You talked about how um, an accountant uh, should have first-time buyers, dentists, and the level of conversations and the questions to ask. And then, of course, a principal and uh, dentist. For anyone of your clients or um, looking to sell their practice, uh, how do you advise them and what is the best thing to do? Because obviously the power of information and preparation is key when approaching the market uh, to sell. So how would you advise your clients when it comes to sell their practice? Well, practice? Both you and I, Max, would say to plan in advance as far in advance as possible, at least two years before. I'd say two years because valuations are EBITDA driven and you will need two years worth of performance data to justify the, the exit figure that you're looking to achieve and yeah if you are not an associate-led practice so if you, you are as the principal doing the majority of the work the clinical profit is dependent on you and you might not want to stay on so there might be changes that you need to make in converting it from uh, principal-led to associate-led that's uh, a big thing to think about secondly making sure that the data is there that your records are well kept because once you enter into the uh, the due diligence process there'll be a lot of information requests and if it's not there it can slow things down so i think both of those two things would be key in my mind uh, the third would be to is to talk about what your plans will be post completion you will have a capital gain when you exit and in most situations and you want to make sure that you qualify for entrepreneur's relief both for yourself and anybody else that might have a, a stake in the business so you need to make sure that those qualifying criteria are met for the uh, minimum two-year period that's the qualifying time scale for those as well as discussing well what what are your options after that the last thing you want to do when you sell your practice is to sit on a load of cash because cash isn't very effective from an inheritance tax point of view uh, it won't qualify for the very generous business property relief that is available to a business or uh, indeed a dental business or any other business. So thinking ahead after that is also important. Okay, so basically uh, the advice is just make sure that your practice and your business is not reliant on you too much, but perhaps spread income amongst the associates is one of the way to switch the goodwill from uh, personal to commercial and then will help uh, the, the marketability and sellability of the practice. Yes. David, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, and again, you've provided us with some great insights into financially planning properly for your practice and especially before purchasing a practice. Uh, and uh, I mean, definitely advice for great advice for sources and principal. If any of the listeners would like to get in touch with David, you can contact him on 077 37978 or you can reach out to their website which is bennettbrooks.co.uk that's everything for today's show i hope you've enjoyed it and stay tuned for next week's show which is again our wednesday at 8 p.m and we'll see you soon thank you hassan thank you max a word from our sponsors 
The Creative Composite, dental marketing which helps you grow. The Pluto Partnership, where professionalism meets confidence.